0: everyone it's good to see you this morning in here to worship together this morning i'm going to ask you to stand and i'm going to ask one more thing from you um so you've heard of this 12th man thing if you haven't it's okay i think it's a football term right correct okay so um if if you're not aware of that then you know that's why it's a football thing and it just means that normally there are 11 people on the field just just so you don't know in case you don't know that but they when they can when they call the 12th man they're actually talking about the people in the stands i guess right the, yeah, alright, the fans Okay, not that you guys are fans But this morning you don't have actual instruments Like this in your hands But you do have the clapping Okay, which is in the Bible um, So you get to use your instruments This morning to help us with this song And we totally love If you guys would be able to sing with And clap at the same time um, As we're singing this Because it just, you know, just makes this song But, um. so, yeah Let's go ahead and sing this with your more than you know normal involvement that would be great so let's go ahead
1: I'll sing, I'll dance, my heart will overflow.
2: From the day you saved my soul.
1: Soul to the very moment when I come home, I'll sing, I'll dance, my heart will overflow. From the day you saved my soul, from the day you saved my soul,
2: to the very moment when.
1: You saved my soul.
0: Well, every day we have something to celebrate. And if it is just that God saved our souls, that is enough, isn't it? Um, this morning we're going to sing this next song and the the beautiful, beautiful phrase, fix my eyes on the things that I can't see. I just love those words. And and I just want to remind you, I want to say, um, Isaiah 55 for you before we get singing this song and just kind of set your focus and set your mind on, on what God said when he said, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine for just as the heavens are higher than the earth so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts.
2: Skies spin their dance with your voice be
1: Let your voice be all I hear now. Fix my eyes on the things that I can't see now. And spirit breathe like the wind
0: come have your way. Dear God, we thank you, Father, that you have written our stories. And God, you have written the story. Father, you have put together such a story, Lord, that we couldn't even imagine the details in it, Father. We thank you that your ways are higher, that they're outside of the box, Lord. We thank you that you don't fit inside of our thoughts, Lord, but you are bigger than that. We thank you for the way that you work in our lives, Lord. When we see no solution, we see no way out. God, you, you know just what we need, Father, for escape, God for solution. Lord, we thank you father for thinking outside the box. God, when you offered your son to restore the relationship with you, we thank you father for, for supplying a way Lord that redeems us and washes us clean so that we can live in restoration with you. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, God, that, that we can stand here today and praise you knowing That you are almighty God, creator of, of the heavens and the earth, creator of us. Yet you listen to our praises. And we just love that. Lord, we have your attention right now. And it's so humbling and so awesome, God, that we can stand here in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
3: quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1, 19. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? James 4, 1. That seems right to man But in the end Leads to death Proverbs 14, 12 The application coming out of all That we looked at last week Was to begin to understand The most difficult part of any conflict Was seeing our part in it Encourage one another daily As long as it is called today Hebrews 3, 13 Hey hun, do you think that I feel I always have to win an argument? Hey, that's not an answer. Actually, that is an answer. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? I invalidate people when I get worked up.
2: Sometimes. Sometimes.
3: in an argument, you don't really win anything. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 19, 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Be completely humble and gentle. patient. very patient. Be, Be devoted to one another in love. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Honor one another. Comfort yourselves. one another. <laughs> Agree with one another. Love Let others forgive others as Christ loves and forgives me.
4: You're ready. Can we get out? Can we get out? Can you guys?
3: Yes, we can get out. What can I carry?
5: Well, it's November. We're enjoying the lead-up to Thanksgiving, and in doing so, we've been talking about blessings. A lot of times we simplify a blessing as, you know, something good that's been given to us, something good that God has done to us. But sometimes there are blessings we've received that, um, well, they don't always feel great, but it's something that has truly been given to us by God and can be defined as a blessing. God blessed you with a need. God blessed everyone with a need. He planted a longing deep within our souls. It's inside of us. We can't get around it. It is irresistible. It's indelible. It's intense. It's there. It's part of our design. We cannot ignore it. We cannot remove it. And we cannot undo it. It's part of us. We are blessed. We are blessed with the need to connect. We are blessed with the desire for relationship. Now, to be perfectly honest... Having watched the video, you may find relationships and connecting sometimes more of a burden than a blessing. But I'd like to start this morning by looking at the blessing side of connecting through relationship. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, this is not new territory. We've been to these verses before. You've read these verses before. But today, I'd like you to look at them as if you've never seen them before. It's actually a good Bible study approach sometimes. To open your Bible as if it is the very first time you've ever looked at this book. You have no idea what it says. You have no idea what's going on there. You, you approach it with fresh eyes. So by doing that, or in doing that, let's look at verse 27, 26 again. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. Now, if you're paying attention, if you're really paying attention to that verse, there are at least four questions that pop out of those 13 words. Four questions. And we look at it, and the first question we would have to ask is, who's this guy talking? Who's God? Who is this? We look at the second part. Let us make mankind. Who is he talking to? What what, who's involved in the conversation in our image? What does he look like? I mean, if if I'm going to look like this person who's making me, what does he look like? And then in our likeness, what is he like? How is how is what is he like and what is that going to look like within me? Now, we can answer a little bit of the first question in a couple of the words that we skipped over here or went over quickly. He says, let us Make let us make here's what we learn about God in this very simple verse. We learn that God is a creator He's a designer He's creative and ultimately as we read we find out that he's the creator of all things that he's powerful enough Not only to desire to create but actually to go about that to put the plan into action The second question is who's he talking to let us? Now, there are Bible scholars who have suggested this is the use of the royal we. We don't have royals, so they don't do this, you know, in, in, our, in, our, in our culture. But if, if you're royal, seldom do you refer to I or me. It's always we. We think. We believe. We will. And, and that we, I don't know, it might be a humble expression. Actually, it's probably a pretty proud expression. You will think the way I am thinking, and we will all think this way. It's a royal we. I think there may be something more going on here. We need to read a little bit more. If we were to go back to verse verse 1, we read these words, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You know what we find? God is not alone. God is not alone. Ultimately, as we read the whole Bible, we find that three entities have existed for all of eternity. Three in one. Trinity god later in the bible in the book of john chapter one john the disciple whom jesus loves affirms what's going on in genesis chapter one he starts with the words in the beginning just like the beginning of the bible in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made do you have that who was the maker the words the maker Here we thought the Father was the maker. Now we're finding here the Word is the maker. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And then further down, John wants to leave no doubt on who he's talking about. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son of God who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, it's not a simply, simply a royal we going on in this passage. Not at all. We have a plurality. We have community. To these other members of the community, God says, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. Question three then comes from that word in our image. We hear that and we've got to ask ourselves, what does God look like? Now, the rest of the Bible, as we're reading, we find out something about God, that God is not flesh and blood blood like us, but God is a spirit. John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, and he says, God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Clearly, image, form, is not what this passage is talking about. Or we would have a room that looks a lot more like Casper the Friendly Ghost. You know, we we wouldn't look like flesh and blood. We'd look like spirits floating around the room. A little digging into Hebrew reveals that the words image and likeness are pretty much synonymous. He's pretty much saying the same thing. These words are used interchangeably in the Old Testament. If you just jump ahead a little bit in the book of Genesis, the side says chapter 3. It's actually chapter 5. Genesis 5, beginning with verse 1, says... In this first genealogy, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. There it is again. There's the likeness placed on the human being. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when he created them. Then it says, when Adam lived 130 years, he fathered a son. Don't miss this. In his own likeness after his image. And he named him Seth. Now, we know this isn't his first son. He's already had Cain and Abel, and Cain has killed Abel. And now another son comes along, and we see this father giving birth to a son who is like him, who looks like him, made in his image, made in his likeness, just like what God did for us as human beings. Later in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, God declares, whoever sheds the blood of man shall by man shall his blood be shed for God made man in his own image. He wants it to be very, very clear that human beings are not to be killed. Why? Because they have the image of God stamped upon them. We are the only part of creation. No other part of creation can can claim this unique status made in the image of God. So, What does likeness look like? What does it look like mean to be like God? We find one part of it in the next part of the verse, actually. The next part of the verse said, He was made in the likeness of God so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. You see, God is a ruler, God has dominion and he shares that capacity to rule. He shares that capacity to be in charge, to subdue the earth with his kids. So part of being like God is that we have the ability above all other creation to rule over creation. That's one piece. But there's another way that we're like him. It's found in that word, we, God did not do this alone. God does not live alone God is a relational being, and he places that part of his image, that relational being status, that stamp upon every one of us. Every one of us in in our perfect pre-fall state has an insatiable desire for relationship. I say pre-fall state because the fall marred the image of God on us. Our tendency now is to push away from community. To mess up and implode community. And that's not the result of the image of God stamped on us. That's the result of sin's impact on us. God wants us to experience the blessing of a need that he has placed within us. We need each other. Chapter 2 goes on to say that God placed man in the garden, this beautiful garden. And he gave them clear instructions over which trees he could find food and eat and which trees he was supposed to avoid and then in verse 18 we read these beautiful words the lord god said it is not good for man to be alone i will make a helper suitable for him think about that god said adam was alone we have a tendency to kind of spiritualize in our relationships don't we We have a tendency to say things like, God is all I need. I don't need human beings. I don't need anyone else. I have God. God and Adam existed. And God said, it is not good for Adam to be alone. God referred to man without another person with whom to connect as alone. And so he made another person, a beautiful person one that fit with Adam, one like him, and yet one not like him at all. He made a complement, not a duplicate. He made a set, male and female. The image of God is reflected in this beautiful, complete set. This is part of the reason that marriage was designed by God as an exclusive union between one man and one woman. Marriage is an object lesson to all of us. It is a human reflection of the complete image of God stamped upon us without each other, male and female. We only get one side of the picture. And then God performs the first marriage union right there in a beautiful garden. The garden doesn't exist anymore. Sorry, it's not available. But we have beautiful oak trees. You can get married there instead. Now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. And the chapter ends with this line, this beautiful, mind-blowing line. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the ideal for every human relationship. Fully known, fully loved fully known, completely accepted, fully known, fully loved. How far we have fallen from the ideal. Rather than being naked, rather than being exposed, we hide and we cover up. Rather than feel no shame, we live in a consistent, low-grade state of guilt and regret. Relationally, God wants two dynamics at play as we live our otherwise lonely lives. First one, he wants us to share refrigerator rights. I I heard this from someone else, and I love it. I'm taking a different direction, but I think it's a great idea, okay? We share refrigerator rights. Ever had someone come into your house and just open the fridge? They just walk in and crack it open. I mean, you come into my house, you open the fridge, you'd you'd look at the top shelf way in the back, and you'd see things that we've owned for a while. We'll use them sometime, but I won't let him throw them away. up there. They're waiting. Come down a little further. You'll see some containers that Kim thinks we should throw away. But I keep saying one more day, one more day, one more day. And then the blue thing happens. I go, okay, it's time. So someone comes into your house and they start inspecting. They start looking. Maybe as they're looking, they come across that item that you bought just for you. That item that you're going to eat late at night by yourself, and you're going to enjoy it, and you see them eyeballing it, and you're going, no, 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 no. Please, 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 please don't go for that. I I don't know about you, but if somebody comes into my house and opens my fridge, a major league ick factor goes up. I'm not crazy about this. Now, I know some of that's my own junk. I came from a family where there were certain places that were expressly forbidden to go in our house without permission. You did not ever go in my mom and dad's room, ever. I mean, ever. You get caught in there, death penalty. It's over, done. You never went in my mom's purse. To this day, I have no idea what's in there. I have no idea what it looks like. If she said, go get my purse, I'd say, this is a trap. I'm not doing it. And you did not go into the fridge without permission. You didn't just go there. It was not allowed. I remember my dad one time saying, go up to my room in my top drawer and get whatever it was. And I'm walking up and I, I you know, I crossed the threshold into the room but waiting for the lightning. And I walk over to the drawer and I open the drawer and it's like it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm opening the Ark of the Covenant and I'm looking in, waiting for my face to melt off. I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is bad news. It was only well into our teens that we were allowed to go rummaging through the refrigerator. If someone's going to come to my house and they're going to go into my fridge, two dynamics have to be at play. First one, You better know me pretty well. You better know me. I better know you. There better be some relationship going on there. There's a a comfort level that says what's mine is yours. Go ahead, help yourself. I don't need to serve you. We're friends. Go ahead and do this. So that's part of what's going on there. There's another though. I've given you permission to go there. I've said it's okay to go ahead and open up that door. If you presume it's okay to go there, and you're standing there, and you feel an icy chill, that's not the wind coming from the freezer. That's from the death glare coming from across the room. You don't go there without permission. It's a real blessing from God when we share a relationship with somebody with whom we share refrigerator rights. Do you have a friend in your life, someone with whom you have refrigerator rights. God wants us to develop some relationships in our lives where we give refrigerator rights to someone else. A relationship where we freely share not only what we have, but who we are. And a relationship where we've given the other person the permission to go there. So, does that person exist in your life? Do you have a friend who has refrigerator rights? There's another dynamic that God wants at play in, our, in some of our relationships. And that is that we are barefoot buddies. Now let's face it, feet are some of the ugliest things on the human body. If I said today, take off your shoes, show them to your neighbor, you'd probably quicker leave and go to grace than show your feet to another person. It's one of the saddest things to watch your kids grow up of all the things i'm going off to college all that sad but the changing of their feet i'm telling you what when they're babies laying on that changing table they don't remember this but i'd change their diaper and then i'd grab their little leg and take their little foot and i do that on their foot oh my word they just giggle (laughs) the best thing in the world um and then and then and then the 13th birthday happened and never again did I dream of taking that little foot and going na 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 na. No stinking way. Oh, a baby's feet. A baby I know, right? A baby's feet are precious. They're beautiful. There's nothing as sweet as baby's feet. Now, you want an experience this afternoon, here's what I want you to do. Go home and Google the words ugly feet. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, you know, I, this is, this is, wow. Don't do it too soon after lunch, over lunch. I mean, you know, just wait a little bit. You know, I, I did this. I was expecting maybe some long toenails, maybe some excessively furry feet. I didn't know a strange toe or two, something like that. Oh my word. These images initiated, they activated my gag reflex. I'm just looking and going, ick, yuck, no. So can I show you one of the worst ones? Here you go. Brace yourself. Here it is. I warned you. No, actually, this I, can you imagine having those feet? Anyway, no, but I'm serious. I'm serious. You got to go look these things up, man. They are gaggly, gross, and disgusting. They're hideous. Who's seen your feet? Seriously. With whom do you have such a level of comfort that they've seen your feet? Warts? Corns, bunions, and all. Who's seen your feet? God wants a few people in our lives who don't just know the good about them that we share, but they know the ugly, the dark side, and the dirty. They know it all. And there's a degree of mutuality there. It's not just that they've seen your feet, but you've seen theirs as well. When I was in St. Louis uh, serving on staff at a church, one of my responsibilities was to be involved with the high school youth group. And it was around Easter. And uh, we were going through the Easter story. And I was talking to the other leaders and I said, I want to try something. I think this would be pretty cool. And so we're talking about the incident where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. And I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we get the kids in a circle and go around and wash their feet? And just give them that experience. Help them to know what that's like. And, and so we got these basins of water, and we walked in the room, and we, we said to them, go ahead and take your shoes and socks off. And they, of course, high schoolers think we're about to play a cool game, you know, suck the toe, I don't know, whatever. They, they had something else going on in their mind. And, um, and then we show up with these basins of water, and we kneel down in front of them, and we start one by one taking their feet and washing their feet and drying with them a towel and tell them to go ahead and put their socks and shoes back on. And, and I, I tell you what, it was, it was an incredible, it was a beautiful, it was a moving moment. And then we get all done, and the kids say, okay, now yours. And I said, no way. (laughs) This is not, you know, I've told people that one of the ways we know where God wants to grow us is to recognize where our resistance is. They said, now yours, and I went, "Uh uh-uh. I am not taking off my shoes. I am not taking off my socks. You are not seeing my feet. You are not touching my feet. It's not going to happen. I let them do it. I hated it. I hated it. And it was a revealing moment. It really was. It was a humbling moment for me. It was more humbling to let them see and touch and wash my feet than it was to go around and wash the 60 feet that were sitting in the room. Far more humbling. So here's the thing. God wants you, not with the whole world, but with a few safe people, to open the fridge of your life and to take off your shoes and your socks and let them see your feet do you have that? Do you have that relationship with anybody in your life? Let me, let me start with the most fundamental relationship. If you're married, do you have that with your spouse? Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Are you there? Does your spouse have permission to open the fridge of your life and snoop around? Is there a level of openness of sh- and sharing that's what's mine is yours? Who I am is yours. I don't want to give too many examples here because I really want the spirit to be the one doing the bumping on this and and not examples. But but just one. Does your spouse have access to your technological world? Can he look at anything that's on your phone at any time? Can she walk over and look at anything that's on your computer? Look at your email? Look at your web history prior to editing? Can they look at it? I know some of you, I've been here, all right? Some of you can use this lame excuse. Uh, Well, you know, I have sensitive emails on there, work, blah, blah, blah. To the best of my knowledge, none of you are CIA operatives. (laughs) Having said that, I guess you're a pretty good operative. I don't know. But nonetheless, (laughs) nothing is so sensitive that we can't share it. What's the secrecy all about? What's the hiddenness all about? Why is your fridge off limits to the one person to whom you said better, worse, richer, poorer, sickness, and health? What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. Why are you saying, but not there? God blessed you the day you were married with a person to share life with, share everything with. He blessed you with the need for relationship. Enjoy that blessing. Share that blessing with the other person. Beyond your spouse are there people who have access to the fridge of your life. People with whom you share. People who have that kind of openness. So let's move on to feet. Who's seen your feet? Who's taken a really close look at your feet? Who have you allowed to wash your feet? Not literally, but you let them serve you. Because you needed to be served and you said, it's okay, even though I feel humiliated. With whom are you vulnerable? With whom are you mutually vulnerable? Now, I'm going to say this is going to require some discretion. You really got to think this through. We're not vulnerable with everybody. We don't open the fridge to everybody. We don't take off our shoes with everybody. You got to be careful with the person with whom you are removing your shoes. Make sure that it's not a person with whom you'd like to remove more. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get my drift? Too many affairs start with an inappropriate level of sharing between two people who sensed a potential attraction. Beware in that area. Both refrigerator rights and barefoot buddies require the same quality, safety, safety. They need to be safe people, safe with your vulnerability, not to share what you've said inappropriately with someone else, safe with your exposure, not to take advantage of your openness, God blessed us with someone He has enjoyed for all of eternity. He blessed us with something He has enjoyed for all of eternity. He blessed us with the desire and the capacity for connectedness in relationship so now let 's mentally go back to the video at the beginning of the teach. I place before you today the potential blessing of relationship, but truthfully. There are seasons that that blessing feels more like a burden, a curse, and a chore. Sometimes friendships are really hard. Sometimes they hurt. Sometimes they feel just plain too heavy to bear. Many of us here today are walking wounded. We've been stabbed, we've been ambushed, and we've been burned. We've tried friendship and we've decided it is safer and more comfortable to go it alone. We're people who have claimed the theme song of our life from Simon and Garfunkel. I am a rock. I have no need of friendships. Friendships cause pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. And the song ends with these words, and a rock feels no pain, and an island never cries i got to tell you, there are seasons I have lived this song. I've been there, and I know you have too. A rock may not feel pain, but a rock never knows the blessing of connectedness. An island may never cry, but it also never takes the risk for the reward of relationship. We can't talk about relationships and not go back to one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. One of the most beautiful things he wrote, and he wrote an awful lot of beautiful things. To love it all is to be vulnerable. You got that? Love isn't a feeling. Gumdrops, lollipops, unicorns, rainbows. To love is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung out and possibly broken. Has anybody warned you about that before? We all think it's about big hugs. You might be wrung out and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Beaker, the dog's not going to cut it. It's just not going to cut it. Not even an animal. Give it to no one. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it safely in the casket or coffin of selfishness. But there, in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. Friendship is a blessing, not a chore. But it doesn't mean it won't be hard. Friendship is a blessing, not a burden, but that doesn't mean we won't feel some heaviness. Connectedness is a blessing and not a curse, but that does not mean that we will not be hurt. I bring you back to these words again that we used earlier this year. For every one of us, we need to fight for connection. Fight through. Fight to be connected. Fight to be connected with other people in your life. God stamped on you His image of connectedness. The stamp of relationship from God is upon you. Fight for connection. Fight for it. God blessed you with a need. Your deep desire is to move from isolation to intimacy. Connect with wholeheartedness. Dive into the blessing of connectedness we get to talk to god right now with whom we share a connection all the time let's talk to him father in heaven it is on one hand easy to talk about the theoretical blessing of friendship when we remove it from the context of the real world when we don't think about disagreements and arguments and betrayal and all those other things that potentially could take place in a relationship. Nonetheless, God, you have placed within us a longing to connect, not only to connect with you, but to connect with other human beings. I pray that we would begin like the guy in the video, drawing the big circle and realizing the problem starts here. Let us not, in the process of fighting to, be, to connect, be so quick to accuse and try to fix the other person, but to look into our own hearts, to look into our own actions and ask, in what areas am I closing my fridge? In what areas am I covering my feet and not allowing that other person into my life where I can share deeply and intimately? Lord God in heaven, You've given us the blessing of friendship, the blessing of relationship, the blessing of connectedness. Let us not leave that gift sitting under the tree unwrapped. In Jesus' name. We're now going to partake in communion. And I love when we do this. Communion today is going to be, we're going to stations around the room. So there are four. There are two in the front of the room on either side of the platform. And there are two in the back. There are actually candles on the one in the back so you can find uh, where those, those stations are. When we do this, it's a little messy. You know, you got to line up, you kind of all this. And, and part of what I love about that is the picture that life's messy. It's not always nice and orderly. But in the process of bringing our mess to God, God has a way of saying, I cure messes. I forgive messes. I give you a fresh start. So when you come to the table, the elements of communion will be in the middle. But on either side, you'll find some pieces of paper, squares of paper. And what I'd like you to do today, this is kind of, it's a prayer you're offering to God. I'd like you to think about a person in your life uh, with whom you either have a connection or would like to have a connection. Maybe you had a connection. So maybe you'll use this paper today to write a name on this of a person for you, a person you could say, they are a real blessing from God. And you just write that name down as a way of saying, Thank you, God. Maybe there's brokenness, real brokenness, and you're saying, God, um, I would love to see this relationship restored. And so you're laying that before God and saying, God, here this is. Maybe there's a person you've been thinking, I'm ready to let them open the fridge, I'm ready to take off my shoes, and I'm scared. And you're just going to write that name there today and say, God, help me in the process of forming this relationship. Maybe you're writing your your own name in in relationship to your spouse, and you're saying, my goodness, I'm part of the problem. Maybe you're writing your spouse's name because you're saying, no greater gift has ever been given to me than this person right here. But you're going to write a name, and you're going to lay it there on the table as a way of giving that prayer to God, and then go ahead and take communion. Before we do, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that talks about relationships. It's beautiful. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the people of God who are in need. Practice hospitality. God gives us these instructions in the growing, building, and keeping our relationships sound. Let's follow these as we build these beautiful relationships of connectedness that God has given to us. While we're going to our stations for communion, a song will be playing with which you are very familiar. And if you want, feel free to sing along. Just let this be a moment of real worship between you and your Father in heaven, the one with whom you share a relationship,
4: he is jealous for me. He loves like a herd tree, bending beneath the weight of His wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us all. just for me, love's like a hurricane, I am a tree, burned underneath the weight of his wind and mercy, when all of a sudden I'm unaware of these afflictions
2: Pray
6: with me. Father God, what a, what a blessing your love is. You love us so much that you created us in your image. And Father, I, I pray for us today that it wouldn't just be something that we, we hear this morning, we listen, we agree, and then we walk out of here the same people we were when we walked in. Break us. Help us to see the people in our lives who we need to allow to have refrigerator rights. Who we need to allow to see our feet. Give us the strength to and the courage to be able to take that leap of faith. Because God, you did it for us. And we pray this in your name. We love you. Amen. This morning, uh, as our servers come to receive the morning offering, we've got a couple quick announcements for you. The first is a student announcement. The Gearman family has graciously and dangerously uh, um, agreed to host a Thanksgiving dinner for Revive for our high school students. So next Sunday, our high schoolers won't be meeting here. Now, the reason that I'm saying that, um, they're going to be getting some more information tonight. And we've already had some students agree to bring a plate, uh, because the Germans are taking care of turkey, and we've got some other stuff going on. But we've already had some students agree to, yeah, I'll bring a plate. Now, what I know that means is that, yes, I will ask my mom or my dad or grandma or grandpa to make a plate, and I'll just bring it along. So I just wanted to give you parents a heads up so you can ask your high school student, hey did you agree to make something? Because I need to know now. All right. Uh, so again, that'll, we'll meet in River's Edge and they'll get more information on that tonight. Uh, but again, that's going to be a really cool opportunity. So uh, I do need to ask Germans, do they have refrigerator rights when, we, when they come over? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. <laughs> um, also, next Sunday, we're going to do our second annual Turkey Bowl. All right. So right after second service, we will head over and meet at the junior high. Uh, we'll give you a little time in between. So if you want to quick go grab some food and come over uh we'll meet over there at noon we'll have everything set up we'll have water we'll have all kinds of stuff over there and it is for everybody so if we have enough people i'd like to get two games going where we could have one for us big competitive people and then another one for the the little ones so that we're not bowling them over and and crushing their their fragile boats. so
5: <laughs> like you did last year, like i accidentally did once last year yes like you did last year you can remove the accidentally. No. <laughs> He's wearing a Rams jersey, folks. Come on. What are we going to do with this? Anyway. So we're, we're going to do a little uh, interactive announcement here. Because one of the things coming up here, we have um, our whole Revent Christmas event. And they're going to have all these different things going on. So you're going to be carrying a lot over the next few weeks about how you can get involved, the gifts you can give out, the interactions that you can have. And one of them you can actually get started with now. You might actually use this, um, for example, with Thanksgiving coming up. You're going to see some people you wouldn't see otherwise. So this is something that you might think to initiate with people. There are these two boxes, and they're sitting back on the tables at the back. And Brian's mother explained all this to him perfectly. And so we're going to find out how well he does. So what's this box? This box is filled with, with the prayer cards that we promised would be available
6: uh, this week. And so what you're going to do is you, you can grab one of these prayer cards. There's some with envelopes, there's some without, there's all kinds of different designs. So there's more crafty ones and there are some more straightforward ones. Uh, but basically what you're going to do is you're going to grab one of these. And whoever you think might need prayer on Christmas day, because Christmas isn't uh, the best time for them, you can go and give this to them. So just ideas. I mean, maybe you know someone who's sick and maybe they're worried that this is going to be their last Christmas or a family member who, um, or a friend who has someone in their lives like that. If you're a teacher, maybe you know a student who um, is going to have two Christmases this year for the first time because their parents split up. Uh, this is a really cool opportunity to where you can bring them a card and just say, hey, we want to pray for you. Uh and again, so they can do it anonymously. They can write their request right on the card, uh, and then we'll move on from there.
5: So they're, you're going to give the card to them. You could either on the spot ask them to fill it out or say, I'll be back in a couple of days to get the card if you want to do it. And, um, you know, I, it's been my experience, especially with people who are going through pain, that um, they generally do not resist prayer or the opportunity to be prayed for. They truly, if I can say this in light of the series, feel blessed when someone says... I'd love for you to pray. And the idea that someone in your church is actually going to be praying directly for them on Christmas Day is really moving. So I didn't mention this earlier, but the instructions are right here on the inside of the box in terms of what to do. Then you have the empty box over here. So that is. So once you've given
6: the card to your friend or family member, whoever it is, and they return the request to you. Uh, you'll deliver it back, and you'll bring it, we need it by December 20th, and you'll bring it back to this empty box, which would be on the other side. Uh, you can drop the request in the box, and then if you want, you can grab one of these smaller cards that will be sitting right on the ledge on the inside of the of the empty box, and you can grab this and, again, just write something, write a little note that let, allowing them to know, hey, yeah, I delivered your request. I... Um, we're, we're going to have a team praying for you. So, again, it gives you the opportunity for a second contact with that person to give them affirmation that, yeah, I did do this. I did mean it. It's not just something that I threw out and forgot about. No, there, there are going to be people on Christmas Day who are um, going to be
5: praying for, mm-hmm. for your need. So it's kind, of, it's kind of mini bookmark style. They, I mean, they may use it as a bookmark. It's, it's looped so that they can go ahead and hang it on their tree maybe if they want. But just that reminder again that there's someone out there on Christmas Day that's caring for them. So then the question that came up during the first service that we did not know the answer to was, who's doing the praying? So
6: we have a team of volunteers who are going to be doing, taking all the requests and praying on Christmas Day for, for these people. Now, we are still taking volunteers for that. So if you want to get involved, uh, just come and find one of us. Uh, I know um, Kim Pap is one of the uh, leads on this, on this uh, part of it. So if you want, again, come find us. And again, December 20th is the deadline to get all these in. So after December 20th, uh, we'll get these distributed uh, quickly, so that again on on uh, Christmas morning, like say say you wanted to be involved in this, and you could you could literally sit down, and the first thing you do on Christmas morning is sit down with your family. It doesn't need to just be mm-hmm. something you do alone. Uh, you could sit down with your family and pray uh, for whoever it is for.
5: Uh, Before we rip answer. open the gifts, we're actually going to go ahead and pray pray for this person. Yeah. So yeah, it can be a, a really beautiful opportunity. I admit, you know, there's a bit of risk involved in it, right? You're going to somebody and saying, I know life's been hard lately. I'd love to give you this gift of praying for you. And if you let us know, you know, and for some people it may be as simple as they just put their name on it or a general idea something, but some way of saying, this is the burden on my heart. And we get that chance to pray back. So again, if there's confusion about it, do feel free to talk to Kim or, or one, of our, um, one of our Christmas people. And they'll be glad to explain, you, explain it through and to offer you that opportunity to be involved in volunteering to pray. So let's stand together. Uh, I came across this really beautiful blessing this past week, and I, I thought I would go ahead and use this as our, our benediction today as we were in this series of blessed. Uh, I'm going to have to read it. I don't have it memorized yet, okay? May God who dwells within us be forever free to reach out to the God who dwells among us, that together we may reach out To the God who dwells beyond us, among us, and within us. And so may our God bless us always. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. You enjoy your week.
2: Mercy and grace till we gather again.